Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Uh, night two in the NHL has passed us uh, with some great action last night, including a, a battle between the Calgary Flames and Winnipeg Jets. We saw Zdeno Chara make his debut for the Washington Capitals in a victory over the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, we saw the New York Islanders make a statement win over their rivals um, at MSG, the Rangers. And we also saw um, Alex Petrangelo make his debut for the Vegas Golden Knights. But um, so far, just two nights of hockey. And I said this to start the show yesterday. I'm going to say it probably for a week now. I'm just going to say this beginning. It's one game. It's You need a sample size. I think after five games, you can really start saying, this player really isn't bringing it. You know, If you point out the Leafs, um, Bogosian had a tough night one. Um, I suspect he'll be in the lineup tonight. He could play great. That, that's a wash. You know, if he plays four straight games where he's getting a penalty, he's being lazy, he's getting beaten off pucks, well, then you have a trend. Um, you know, the outrage after one game from people uh, on Twitter, you know, I, social media is, is this love-hate thing. Um, I, I'm on Twitter. I, I use Twitter probably more than any other social media just to – I don't really uh, tweet much, but I, I do like to um, – follow you know insiders so that when i come on this show i can um tell you guys what's happening in the world of sports things of that nature um for instance this morning um diana rossini for uh, espn uh she tweeted that um the atlanta falcons offered um arthur smith the current offensive coordinator of the tennessee titans head coaching position um i wouldn't know that if i wasn't on twitter but i was on there this morning saw it bring it to guys attention he hasn't accepted the job yet. Um, I'd be surprised if he didn't. I, I, he's been interviewed in every location, so maybe um, he has the pick of the litter. But with um, we'll talk about later in the podcast, two of the seven head coaching openings have been taken as of last night. So if Arthur Smith takes this one, that would be three. Um, we'll talk about Jacksonville um, and uh, the New York Jets at the end of the podcast. But, um, you know, Twitter, you know, um, Last night, I'm going to start with the Islanders Rangers just to keep on the, the, the theme of Twitter. Um, you know, Rangers playing against Islanders. Islanders, uh, I watched a lot of that game. They, they played really well. Um, they still have that, that team from last year, really. You saw you know, pr- production from Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, Matt Barzell, even got a goal from Casey Sezikis. I mean, they had pretty much every center scored other than Jean Gabriel Pajot. Um, solid, a great start from uh, Simeon Barlamov. And, you know, good game for them. You know, Alexi Lafreniere made his debut for the New York Rangers, pretty uneventful. Um, you know, he got his lap. Him and Keandre Miller both made their NHL debuts last night. I think both players have a really promising future with as, as players and also as the Rangers organization looks like it's on the upward scale here. But, um, you know, they, they lose 4 nothing, And the Rangers have a, a rookie goaltender net, Igor Shesterkin. He looks really good. Um, you know, he played last year a lot. You know, Lundqvist, him, and Georgiev, they were basically a three-goalie system last year. So it wasn't as if Shesterkin wasn't playing a lot last year. He was. He got injured uh, in training camp before the bubble. He could only start their last game of the season. They were swept by Carolina in the return to play. And he started game three. You know, they were done when I, before they dropped the puck. The players just seemed defeated. So... They're out early, but, you know, Hank left in the offseason. He's, you know, getting open-heart surgery. Wish him all the best. You know, he's not in the NHL anymore. He's not with the Rangers. So 
one game, first game of the season, they lose 4 nothing. And I get it. A couple of the goals weren't great. I'll admit the Nelson goal, I think he'd want back. Um, Sezikis, the Sezikis goal is traffic, things like that. But he didn't have a great game. You know, they lose 4 nothing. But on Twitter after the game, it's just, oh, why'd you get rid of Lundqvist? Told you a stupid decision. Like, he's not ready, all this stuff. And, you know, he's a kid. And, like, sorry, but uh, there were some goalies. Carey Price didn't look real good opening night. Should you trade him? He, he, what goalie has looked good so far? Varlamov, I guess. He got a shutout. If I look around the league at some of the goals that are going in, and these are elite goaltenders, the proven guys that are letting in, you know, volleyballs in the net. And I just think that that's the dark place of Twitter where they're talking with Shesterkin, how he's not ready to play and how he's, oh, they sh- you shouldn't move on. And it's one game, people. You know, you could use that argument for teams. Like last night, um, uh, sorry, Wednesday night after the lease win, you know, all of Twitter is like, oh, they're going to win the cup. Okay, they're gonna win. The, they won one game. They got fifty-five to go. Like they should, they should make the playoffs. So you have a, you, you got one of sixteen chance to to win it. But they're automatically winning the cup. They win one game where Montreal handed it to them. It's just this overreaction on Twitter. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's people my age or if it's older people, but it's it's probably a mix of both. But it's just so stupid. Like you need, you need a sample size. It's anything in life. If you have a problem, if you drink one day, it doesn't mean you have a drinking problem. If you drink 10 days in a row, maybe you do, but one game does not define your career. You know, Marc-Andre Fleury screwed up the world juniors, made that really bad play. John Carlson put it in the empty net. USA won the gold medal. Marc-Andre Fleury's won three Stanley cups and he's probably going to the hall of fame. So if it was that game, all of Canada would have said, oh, Marc-Andre Fleury costs gold medal. He's not going to do anything in the NHL. And he went first overall, and then he, he's, he's had an okay career. But it's just this overreaction. And after the game, too, Lafreniere not in the score sheet. Everybody, oh, where's Lafreniere? Where's Lafreniere? Well, if I look at around the league, Crosby scored a goal against Philly. But if you watch that game, he really didn't play great. I know Pittsburgh fans, um, you may disagree. I, he didn't stand out to me. He, he made a Carter Hart made a bad play. Crosby benefited from it. Other than that, he really didn't do anything. Do, do I think he's going to have a, a terrible season? No. Just wait. Just pump the brakes and let's just, let's just breathe. Let's just breathe together. Okay. Like it's not, this is, this think where people have this platform to go on and just bitch and bitch and bitch about and just overreact. And it's, I don't know, like on this podcast, if a team stinks for five straight games, I'm going to say it because there's sample size and that's warranted for me to do it. But, you know, um, I think Josh Anderson played great in the first game for Montreal. He was hurt all last year, so maybe he'll struggle the next 10. But I pointed out one game where he played well, but writing off a guy and just critiquing his one game is a big difference here. You know, saying Shesterkin's not ready, 
and just saying, well, Shesterkin didn't play good last night. You can hear in the, in the tone and just the way that phrase is, it's very different. And I think we need to learn. We need to learn from this. Um, people on Twitter won't. People on so the bad people on social media won't because they're just ignorant. And it, but it just pisses me off to see um, you know having to see young players go through that. Um, and credit, you know, last night Shesterkin didn't play well. But credit to the Islanders. Um, they're a team I have. I have them finishing outside the playoffs. Uh, one game, again, one game that is not going to change my opinion. I think they look great last night. Barzell was flying. Um, he looked, you know, he was just got signed right before camp for three-year, $21 million extension. He looked great last night. Um, and the Islanders still have, you know, the trappings of, of their team last year. So we'll see. But just, just, just pump the brakes on the unnecessary, you know, taking a run at, at these players for no reason. It could be a veteran who played one game that you really didn't like, you know, again, just, let's just, just give it a period of time. You can bury players. I will, you can, you know, as fans, but let's give at least five games. Okay. Like let's give them five games and you can say, okay, this guy sucks. You know, I, I've had that fight with in my, I think I've changed my, I've done this in, in my life when I was younger I fight with my parents about it because uh, I think they bury guys way too quick. And it's just, we need to, we need to learn from it. Okay. Let's, let's try together. We're going to learn on this spot. I never thought I'd teach anybody anything, but maybe, maybe on this podcast, I'll get there one day. Um, yeah, a couple, another big item was Zidino Chara, uh, obviously Washington, uh, playing Buffalo last night, not the sexiest matchup on paper, but it turned out to be a very good game because we also saw Taylor Hall make his debut for Buffalo. Um, I thought he looked good. Um, he, at the end of the year last year, I found him a bit lethargic. I don't think he was that excited to be playing hockey anymore. Um, but he was playing with Eichel last night. The two are very creative together. I think Eichel for, for the one game and just looking at players as a whole, I think Eichel was one of the best players just have, have an opening night. I think it's hard to beat him. He, he looked fantastic last night, he's skating his shot, you know, got getting on the score sheet. Their power play looks very dynamic with Eichel and Victor, uh, Victor Olofsson Hall on it. Um, so Buffalo's in that tough East division, like me and Seamus mentioned on the podcast with the likes of Boston, you know, Pittsburgh, Philly, Islanders, Rangers, et cetera. It's going to be tough for Buffalo because they got a tough stretch here. But I thought for opening night, they, they lost 6-4 and empty net with five seconds left, but they competed. Um, both, you know, both teams in this game, Washington and Buffalo, bo both really have questions in net. Um, for Washington, they're starting 23-year-old Ilya Samsonov. He was he, he did spot he split the duties last year with um Brain Holpe. Brain Holpe left for Vancouver. So now he's with Vitek Vancek, who's got little to no NHL experience. Um, and Samsonov's gonna have to be the starter here and, and grab the net. Um, not a great start, but the team won. That's the main thing. Um, another positive, I think, from Washington last night is they scored three times on the power play and none of them were by Ovechkin. Ovechkin actually had two primary assists. He made a beautiful pass 
from his from his office back there, faked the shot, found Oshie in front, who slid it under Carter Hutton, assisted on the first goal to Backstrom, where he took a shot. Backstrom got the rebound, put it in. So I like I like Washington's roster. I think Jakob Verana is going to be a player to watch for them. He had a goal last night in a beautiful strip, and then he put a top shelf. He kind of had a down season last year. If he can find it, I think he's a 20 in an 82. I think he's a 20 to 25 goal scorer, but he's a creative hockey player. I think he's got more assists in him. I think he's, he can find people and you know, they're, they're a tough team. Um, they got Brendan Dillon back there. Obviously uh, big Z made his, made his debut. It, it was weird um, to see him in a, in a uniform that wasn't Boston. I'll say the same thing in Boston where I saw Patrice Bergeron wearing you know, the C on his Jersey just didn't look right. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure Boston, Washington play each other eight times this year. Those will be must-see games for, for myself anyway. Um, so I like, I like what I see. I like what I saw from both, really both teams. Again, this defensive systems are terrible league, the whole league. Um, defensively teams are just a mess. I, they'll catch up. It'll take probably till February, probably the rest of the month will be a lot of running gun hockey. So when I think of that, I think of teams like Toronto, I think of teams like Tampa Bay, I think um, you know, the really skilled teams will benefit from that type of hockey, potentially Edmonton. Um, so for those teams be to get wins early and often is important because as the game gets tighter um, and a little bit more heavy, just tougher to find space. It's, it's tougher on the, the teams that don't have a lot of, you know, sandpaper, don't have a lot of players that like to go into the corner. So, uh, but good, good debut from Hall. Zidane uh, Ochara, you know, he's not going to be a fast, flashy player. You're not going to see him on the score sheet a lot, but just his presence back there alone, I think, makes Washington a better team and makes Boston worse. So you know, that decision for them to part ways with Z just doesn't, still doesn't make any sense to me when, Boston, you know, they barely beat New Jersey last night in a, in a shootout, but, or the gimmick, um, if they're, they're in a position where they need to win now, they're getting older by the day, you know, Bergeron, he's still a great player, but he's not fast. So when the, when the, when the legs fall off, they're going to fall off quick for him. I think it's going to be you know, falling down like a hundred flights of stairs for him. You know, Marshan's not getting older. They still have Pasternak in the prime of his career. Still one of the top 10 best players in the NHL. But, you know, Tuka Rask, who the hell knows with him? Um, he's flaky at the best of times after, you know, quitting in the bubble last year. They got Halak, who's over, he's 35. I think Rask is 34. So, you know, they need to win here probably this year or next, or they're not going to. They're going to have to rebuild and um, start from scratch. So interesting period for Boston. They're kind of in a similar position as Pittsburgh where they still have, you know, the, the same, the, the great players that won them a championship, but they're not surrounded by a ton of talent and they're aging themselves. So they don't have everything to give what they use, what they usually do. So just a couple insights there. Um, the game of the night for me uh, for, was Calgary-Winnipeg. And I wanted to watch this game for a couple reasons. Uh, one, I picked Winnipeg to win the Canadian division. So I want to see how they looked. I also want to see Patrick Laine. Uh, he's asked for a trade. 
I think he's handled himself decently well with it. Um, he hasn't been, you know, trade me on Twitter. He hasn't been like an NBA player, like a James Harden, you know, just saying he's basically quitting and packing up his diapers and leaving Houston. You know, Linus handled it like a pro. So I give him credit for that. And I give him credit for last night wanting a trade, but he, he came to play last night. Um, and of course, another reason I want to watch his name is Matthew Kachuk. Um, he's my favorite player in the NHL. And, you know, I mentioned unicorns yesterday on the show. And I, for me, there's two unicorns in the NHL, and that's Josh Anderson and Tom Wilson. And it's these big, fast players that can score 20, 25 goals. I think 30, Anderson can score 30. Um, hit you, scare half the league, dominate physically, win board battles. And they're just, you don't find them often. They used to be around all the time in, in the old game, but it's just not the game. And they can have such an impact because if you think of Tom Wilson, D, you're afraid of him. They give, and you think, well, okay, they're just tough. It's not about fighting anymore. Tom Wilson goes into a corner. And last night, Rasmus Dallin physically moved away and Wilson got the puck and they created a scoring chance because Dallin didn't want to take a hit from him. Anderson had Tavares on him, who's a decent defender, and he made him look like Mary Poppins out there. Back of the net. I mean, these guys, and Kachuk for me is not in that discussion because I think Kachuk's a superstar. Matthew Kachuk, what he can do on the, because he can piss off people better than anybody, but he can also score a goal between his legs in overtime to win the game. He, he's a human highlight reel. Him and his brother are both so fun to watch. Um, when Calgary plays Ottawa, I think those are going to be really fun games. I think his brother, him and his brother are both so competitive and they want to you know, kick each other's ass. So, but Kachuk just, the way he gets in front of the net, the way his hand-eye coordination, the way he hits, the way he, he has such an impact on the game every shift. And I, and I really appreciate that as a player. And, you know, go figure, you know, last night he opens the scoring. Tucker Pullman, you know, is kind of trying to guard him in front, but Rasmus Anderson gets a wrist shot from the point. Pullman doesn't really box him out. Doesn't tie up the stick. Kachuk tips it home. No chance for Connor Hellebuck. Um, but I mentioned line a, and this was, we saw everything from him last night and it's, we didn't see it a lot last year. And again, it's one game, but he did bring it last night. Um, we saw it. Rasmus Anderson, he basically went end to end. He, uh, he had an empty cage with Hellebuck sprawled across the other side, but Derek Forbert basically slid down on his knees, saved a goal. The puck was about to roll across the line. He clears the puck from the crease. goes back down. The puck goes back down the ice and line A gets sprung by Kyle Connor on a break. He beats Jacob Markstrom glove side. Um, beautiful goal. It was a crazy frantic play. Um, and, you know, coming in, one of the big storylines of this game was, you know, two of the best goaltenders in the NHL were, were facing off. Um, Jacob Markstrom making his first start for Calgary after leaving Vancouver. And obviously Hellebuck coming off his Vesna campaign last season. Um, but we saw early in the game, it was all Calgary. Um, they, their, Matthew Perot took a stupid uh, cross-checking penalty in front. We saw good puck movement. We saw Lindholm. Go cross ice pass down low to the hash marks to 
Johnny Gaudreau, he buried it past Hellebuck for the end of the period. Dylan Dubé won a puck battle, sent it out in front. Lindholm, 3-1 Calgary. Um, I really like, I liked, one thing for Calgary, they, they struggled after this, but I thought Gaudreau had a good game last night. Um, he looked, he was involved the whole game. I think he, he just seemed focused. I don't, I haven't seen it from him. I thought last year he was kind of going through the motions in periods of the season. He looked ready last night. He, he was dangerous when he had the puck. I thought Elias Lindholm had a good game for Calgary as well. And of course, the Chuck. Um, but uh, I, I like to see that from, from Goudreau because if Calgary is going to do some damage, he's going to have to be a key part of that. I, I, have, I still have them finishing outside the playoffs, but it was, it was good to see him have his legs again, kind of play like the, the star player that, that we're accustomed to. Um, second period, you know, the, the game really tilted. Uh, Winnipeg started winning the puck battle, started uh, just having the puck. Um, top line for Winnipeg was dialed all night. Uh, Nick Ehlers, Mark Shifley, Blake Wheeler. You know, they were chugging. I don't think I've seen Nick Ehlers play a better game, honestly. Um, he was so quick really dynamic with the puck. He's finding Shifley a lot. You know, I think Shifley's one of the more underrated players in the NHL and just kind of disrespect he gets when it, like the top 50 players rankings, he should be in the top 20. If you ask me, they got, that's some of those guys up there that I just think Shifley is so valuable to a team, you know, 200 foot player where you don't have to worry about ego. You don't have to worry about bitching. He's just a guy that's going to go in there in the, in the trenches, do his job and do it well. But him and Ehlers have a, had a lot of chemistry last night. And it was good for Winnipeg. They had two lines rolling with, you know, the Connor line, a line, uh, Kyle Connor and Patrick line, a line, and then Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler were going. But in the second period, um, Ehlers gets a shot on net. Kicked out the rebound a little far from Markstrom. Shifley is able to tap it in. 3-2. Um, then not too far after, they get a they get a Kyle Connor gets a good opportunity. He gets sprung uh, by line A. He gets a shot on net, squeaks through Markstrom. It's three three. Connor, you know the one thing Kyle Connor you might not have heard the name that often. He is an elite goal scorer. He's a thirty. He scored thirty goals twice so far in his NHL career. He's got a great wrist shot. He's really fast. Um, him and line A together are a perfect pair. And you know, if these two lines are going for Winnipeg, they're going to be very tough to beat. Um, like I said, Connor, you got Line A. If Line A could put it all together, he could score 50. I mean, he could be in that you know, Rocket Richard category, um, you know, with the likes of Ovechkin, Pasternak, Matthews. If he played a consistent game all year and just, you know, what I think was interested all the time. So we'll see what happens. But it's 3 3 after 3. Third period, a lot of good chances. Um, you know, it was a feisty game at, at the end of the, at the end of the game, cross check from behind uh, Winnipeg got involved. Even line eight line. was in the scrum, him and Kachuk going toe to toe to toe. They didn't drop the gloves, but you know, gloves in face, both of them giving each other the business. Every player, every player on the ice had somebody and even line eight, you can see that probably see the video today. He's coming off the ice. He's got some blood in his mouth, but he's fired up. You know, he, he seemed motivated. He seemed happy to be there and just in the battle in competition. And it was good to see. Um, and of course he's had a great game so far and it was only fitting that, um, 
you know, he wins it. Um, he's overtime, game goes to overtime. He's coming down the wing. He's in a shooting position. He's got a partial two-on-one. Giordano is right next to him because when he caught the puck, he didn't have a lot of space. So he's, you know, Giordano basically tries to p- push the stick, push the puck away, sorry. Puts it away, but Line is able to recover, gets a shot off, beats uh, Markstrom blocker side, and Winnipeg wins four to three. Um, Line AX had two goals, and he he had a game. You know, he looked. I I liked the way he played. Um, it was performance from him that I think the Winnipeg Brass wanted to see, and he you know he provided it last night where he looked he looked refreshed. He looked happy to be out there. And, um, but yeah, a, a good debut for the Jets, kind of a terrible second period for Calgary. And they, they really didn't play great after that, but, um, you know, they showed promising signs in, in the first period and some of the second, um, or sorry, some of the third, but tough loss for them. similar to Montreal um, opening night where they probably had to win and, and they gave it away. So a big win for Winnipeg four three overtime. Um, another, I mentioned the Bruins and they, they played, they played well. Well, they're going to be a team to watch for me because they, they have all the pieces necessary. I'll say that, but they don't put it all together all the time. So that's, that's what I struggle with, with, with them is just how, how they're going to do it. And, you know, they win in a shootout and they get, they get the two points, but it's one game. They play New Jersey again Saturday. A lot of these teams like uh, Washington, Buffalo play again tonight. Um, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, they played uh, opening night. They played tonight, uh, Tampa, Chicago. So you'll see that a lot this year where teams are playing each other back-to-back games, back-to-back nights. So um, there'll be a team to watch Boston just to see what what they can bring night in, night out. Um, Another rematch from opening night last night was um, Vancouver and Edmonton. Vancouver, we mentioned, I mentioned on the podcast yesterday, uh, Edmonton did not look good in their opener. Um, Koskinen was a bit shaky. McDavid and Drysettle both made really terrible defensive plays that cost their team the game, really. Um, and, you know, they, they wanted to respond. And Connor was held off the score sheet in the first game. So, and he came up with a purpose. Last night, you know, McDavid, second game, go figure became the first player in, in the new year to have a hat trick scored a hat trick in <laughs> before the second period was over. And, you know, he, he had, he had four points in the first two periods didn't have any in the third didn't need them. Um, you know, their power play was cooking last night. He was flying around the ice, just making Vancouver defensemen look silly. Um, and, you know, when he, when he's going like this, you know, dry saddle was getting points too. That's why I have Edmonton making the playoffs just because McDavid's just such a good player. And I think if they can tighten up their defensive game, then they're really a threat. But I mentioned, you know, teams with speed teams with a lot of skill this early in the year, they're going to be the teams that benefit from this run and gun. And, you know, Edmonton's the poster child for that as well with, you know, the Maple Leafs. So a great game for McDavid. They, they win five, two after losing five, three opening night. Um, but yeah, McDavid, yeah, again, back to the start of the podcast, one game, I just said he struggled last night, but 
I didn't think he was going to have a terrible season. That was Connor McDavid. Um, he's, I mean, he's so fun to watch. And just his speed alone last night was just off the charts impressive. And um, good, good on good on Edmonton to respond. They started Koskinen again. So he played back-to-back nights, which I actually liked from uh, Dave Tippett. Um, you want your goaltender to have some confidence, I think. And they don't play again until Saturday. So they have today off. And then they'll play Montreal Saturday in Edmonton. So I, I like that move to give Koskinen another start, give him a little confidence, get the first one under his belt. And, um, but yeah, uh, big win for Edmonton. And now you know, they seem to be moving in the right direction. Um, and the last game I'll touch on from last night is Vegas and um, Anon. You know, um, on paper, maybe not the sexiest game. It was 11 o'clock start, but I had my eyes on it. And for a couple of reasons, um, Vegas, you know, they, they're doing something different. You know, last night they started 13 forwards, five defensemen. Um, interesting a lot. And, you know, their D were playing really similar minutes. They were just, we got white cloud, uh, Petrangelo, uh, Theodore, you know, um, McNabb, uh, missing one Nate Martinez. So, you know, they have those five guys, they rolled them all out and, and, uh, Petrangelo, it, it's interesting to see, um, Petrangelo got a point in his debut. They, they, you know, they had an early two nothing lead that was cut, cut, um, that Anaheim tied the game first period with Maxim Comtois scoring two goals, um, for Anaheim, but you know, Vegas looks good. They're deep, you know, their fourth line of Nosek, Reeves, Carrier, both, uh, scored a goal last night. They're going to be an impressive line. They still have Marcia. So Riley Smith, you know, the, all the guys that got them to the Stanley cup final, Mark Stone, the new team captain, the first team captain in in Golden Knights history, scored his first goal last night. Um, so, you know, Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury, that's a pretty good tandem. Um, you know, Leonard got the start last night, but it's tough to beat that tandem. Maybe Montreal with uh, Price and Jake Allen, I think, are a bit better. Maybe Calgary with Markstrom and Riddick, but um, good start for, for, um, for Vegas. I think them, you know, them... Vegas, Colorado, St. Louis, they're all close. I think they're all really good teams. Um, and it'll, it'll just see where, where they end up. Um, but I like I like all three of those teams. And I think it'll be a dogfight till the end to see who can come out on top there. But um, Vegas looked good last night. And they have, the, they have a roster that can compete for a title. So you can't ask for more than that. Um, before I move on from hockey, I'm going to talk about some trade stuff, some trade rumors. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he wants out of Columbus. Um, from reports I've read, it's not all about his relationship with John Tortorella. Um, I think he's expressed to Jermo Kekalainen, the general manager, that he doesn't think this team can win. He doesn't like the way it's built and that his preferred destination is Montreal. Um, you know, Being a French-Canadian kid, that makes sense. Uh, I don't think it's really... I don't know how he would know. I don't think it's on him to know if the team is a winner or not. Like, I don't think that's, I think that's a bit pretentious on his part, but if he doesn't feel that he wants out, okay, more power to you. We see that a lot in pro sports now where guys just complain and they, they'll get, they'll be moved. Um, you know, Tortorella has made it clear that you know, Dubois wants out and that he's 
still going to be hurt on him. If he plays, you know, it's not going to change. His, his approach is not going to change. Montreal, I, from what I've read, they're, they want to acquire Dubois if they can. However, Columbus wants a haul for him. And I understand that because Dubois, you know, he's not a name that flashes because he's not going to be a 90-point player. But I still think he can be your number one center on the team, um, you know, with great players too. Um, Dubois is a lot like Jonathan Taves. And, you know, you might say, well, Taves was a 70-point player, but he was still winning Stanley Cups. He was still really effective. Dubois can score 70, 80 points. The way he's played over the last calendar year for Columbus has really been off the charts, including the bubble where he played Austin Matthews, in my opinion, um, head-to-head last year in their five-game playoff series. Um, I mean, you beat him, so my argument does – it helps my argument there. But, um, you know, he wants out of Columbus, but they want a haul from Montreal. And the rumored players that they want are Nick Suzuki, who's really emerging as a, as a star here for the Canadians. Um, you know, opening night played great, and the bubble, he continued that success. Um, possibly Alexander Romanoff, their rookie 20-year-old defenseman, but Bergemak quickly said that Romanoff is an untouchable which I understand completely and actually agree with him because um, you get good defensemen in this league, you don't part with them. Um, I'd part with a good center before I part with a good defenseman because there's too many bad defensemen in NHL. And furthermore, there's too many teams that have a number two or a number three defenseman playing as a number one. And that that's just as bad. Putting a player in a, in a position that he, that he's going to fail is just as bad as not addressing the situation. So Suzuki, they want Suzuki plus from, from Montreal for Pierre-Luc Dubois. If I'm Mark Bergevin, I love Pierre-Luc Dubois, but I'm not trading Nick Suzuki. I think he's the trajectory he's on right now. He can be a superstar cornerstone player for Montreal, the center ice position. And again, he might not be a player that scores you a hundred points, but the way he back checks, the way he, defensively how aware and how conscious he is of it is more impressive than any goal he's going to score. I mean, he scored, say two goals the other night. And, you know, Patrice Bergeron was a number one center on a team. He won a Stanley cup. I mentioned Jonathan Taves. He's done it. It, it doesn't have to be a hundred point player that you need at number one center. I think that's a, that's a myth that the media has propped up because they want that to be true with the likes of Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews on these Canadian teams. And that's who they talk about. Well, last year, Steven Stamkos played three minutes and he's uh, Braden point was their number one center. Braden points. Another example of a guy who's not probably not going to score hundred points. However, he's a top 10 player in the league and he does the little, he does little things. Well, he shows up in big games and he plays 200 feet. Suzuki's the same way. And I think Suzuki's got a little bit more offensively than uh, Dubois. I think Suzuki could be like a 25, maybe 30 goal scorer. Dubois, I'm not sure. I think he's 20. He's really good. He's a great player. Both of them are. But if I'm Mark Bergman, I know this year, if I don't make the playoffs, I'm probably getting fired. I'm sticking with what, what I have right now. I think Montreal's going to make the playoffs regardless. But I stick with what I have. Um, Suzuki is a great player. I wouldn't be trading Romanoff. I agree with him with the untouchable status. 
So we'll see what happens, but I just wanted to keep you guys posted on that. Um, I, there's nothing imminent, but I, I'd be surprised if we see that deal done, but that was just a rumor. So I thought I'd talk about it. Um, switching gears. So yeah, some of these episodes, we're just going to run through different sports and just different. There's a lot of news um, right now in the sports world. It's interesting where you don't have, um, you don't have a lot of sports and then you, you see them all pop up at the same time, you know, NBA is going, we got, um, we got the NFL, we got uh, the NHL now. So major league baseball is still in their off season at, at a snail's pace. So we'll see what happens, but you know, NBA on Wednesday, it was the big blockbuster where Tuesday night, uh, the Houston Rockets were playing the Los Angeles Lakers. They get smoked. James Harden playing for the Rockets still at that time. You know, he came into camp late because he was at strip clubs, I guess, in Vegas and in Atlanta. And then you, you see him on the court. He's out of shape. I mean, he's he's got a beer belly and it's he's got the tight talk with his jersey and the and the and the shorts and he look he just doesn't look good as a professional athlete. And he says after the game Tuesday night that he's done all he can for Houston. This team isn't good enough. And, uh, you know, it's time to move on. So basically saying, I want out. And that was known before, but he really made it clear in the statement. So um, Houston, I think, was just sick of him. They're sick of hearing this BS day after day. And, him, you know, he's a, he's a guy that can score 16 points in a quarter. He's one of the greatest scorers in the history of basketball. And he, his last four games, he scored 14, 15, 16, 16. He's a guy that doesn't like to pass the ball. He just likes to shoot. So it's just so out of character for him. And clearly, he hasn't been giving a lot of effort. He's also out of shape. But there's teams that want him. He's won an MVP award. He's a fantastic player. And the Brooklyn Nets with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they, um, they plunged. They, they traded for Harden for four first-round picks uh, for, for Harden as, long, as well as Karis LeVert, who he's a, he's a good player. Uh, he's, he's coming off the bench. He's a starter everywhere else. I think they'll miss him. Um, they also had to, they, to, in the NBA, to uh, get these big deals done, you need to move salaries. You need three, four teams. So Indiana was included on the deal, and uh, LeVert was actually flipped from Houston to Indiana. So that, after being traded from Brooklyn to Houston, he was traded from Houston to Indiana for Victor Oladipo, who's on the last year of his contract and wanted out of Indiana. So um, two birds with one stone there. And they also, uh, Brooklyn had to lose their starting center, Jared Allen, who got moved to Cleveland. So I understand why Brooklyn did it. Um, they look at the Lakers Lakers are 10 and three right now. They're, they look great. You know, LeBron, um, Anthony Davis is still kind of fighting his game, but they, they got the team to win. And I don't think they trusted their depth enough for them to, to beat the Lakers as currently constructed. And, you know, they felt like they needed a boost. So they went out there and they got James Harden. Um, my big worry for Brooklyn and I have Brooklyn going to the finals before the season and it worries me a little bit now is, Harden, Harden and Kyrie and Kevin Durant all have such big egos. Kyrie Irving hasn't been with the team all week. After the Capitol building and that a terrible day, he said he was out for personal reasons. 
Okay. I, I know Kyrie's like a big um, social justice person. So at first I just thought, okay, he's upset about this. He's taking some time. I'm fine with that. You know, how people process stuff. That's none of my business. So go do you. Um, but then it, it was a video of him in a, in a club with a sister for a birthday. They're all in there drinking, having a good time, not wearing a mask and just, you know, breaking every protocol that the NBA has set up. And well, that's not, that's not, that's just, not, that's not what you're preaching. That's not social justice. That's just you not wanting to do your job, not going to work. And these players in the NBA, they get away with it. You know, in real life, you don't get away with that. You get fired and you don't hear because the players in the NBA players in these sports leagues now have so much leverage. And so Kyrie brings away, he's, he's got that ego where, you know, he thinks the world's flat. He thinks the media hates him. He's, he's a weird ass dude. And he's, when he's on, when he's on the court, he's electric, but off the court, he's a fucking headache. That's the easiest way I can describe it. Um, he was in Cleveland. He didn't want to play with LeBron because he didn't think LeBron was good enough. Went to Boston. Was a tire fire there. They got rid of him halfway through a season. They made it farther than they did with him the previous year. So, and you got Kevin Durant, who I, I still think he's the best player in the NBA. But, you know, he's coming off a of torn Achilles. He's also a really fragile guy. He's on Twitter. He, he creates burner accounts. So it's basically what a burner account is, is you put a random letters or you just create an account and, you know, he'll go on and chirp people that chirp him. And he they got found out that it was Kevin Durant. Yeah. It was actually him who was doing it, defending himself. Like he was caving into the trolls basically. Um, and then Harden, like I said, just with the whole strip club and not being in shape and he's his own mess. So for rookie head coach, Steve Nash, this is going to be a lot of work. Um, I don't envy his position because, you know, he's getting thrown into the fire here, but you took the job. You knew you had Kevin Durant and Kyrie before this started. So, you know, use Mike D'Antoni, who's had a lot of head coaching experience. You know, he's coached, you know, Dwight Howard, Kobe Bryant. You know, you, so do what you got to do. But, um, you know, Brooklyn, they've had an okay start to the year, but, you know, they're clearly the favorite to win the East now. Um so far this year, I think the 76ers have been the class of the Eastern Conference. But Brooklyn's clearly the favorite. I think I had them going to the finals anyway, but now this only increases their odds. And maybe in Vegas, when the odds come out, when they play their first couple of games, you know, maybe they'll surpass the Lakers as the favorite to win the title. But um, certainly a major shakeup in the NBA and another, another uh, example of a player getting himself removed from a team because he didn't want to be there anymore. Um, not a football uh, NFL. I mentioned Arthur Smith getting offered the Falcons job. Well, two head coaches were actually hired last night. Um, the first being uh, urban Meyer, the former head coach of the Ohio state university um, coached at Florida coached at Utah. He, he took the, he took the Jacksonville job. Um, he's been out of coaching for a couple of years. He left Ohio state, um, after a scandal involving an assistant coach where he, yeah, it was pretty well, it was, he was aware of this coach had some assault issues. He didn't let him go. Then it became public. That coach was fired. And then he stepped down citing health issues. Uh, don't know if I really believe that, but you know, it's a gamble hiring urban Meyer for a couple of reasons. 
you know, he, I mentioned the three places um, he coached in college and you know, he quit all three. He left all three for different reasons. Um, so he never, he's never finished at those three programs. He never finished. Um, and that would worry me. He, he does have some health issues. I know his heart has bothered him in the past and you know, you're coaching in the NFL. You, you see some, some coaches. I mean, it's not an easy job. You know, we see Jim Schwartz, Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator. He's um, stepping away from the game just because of stress and just constantly being fixated on it. And it's a job where you're thinking football seven days a week and you're at the facility a lot and it's, man, it's a lot of hours. So, you know, they signed him to a five-year deal. It would shock me if he lasted five. Um, but you know, they got the first pick in the draft. They can, they're going to be selecting Trevor Lawrence. He's going to have a college quarterback um, at his disposal, which he's always had. Um, so that, that'll probably be an easy transition, but for urban, like Nick Saban, you can't coach the NFL players like you do college. College, these are young 18-year-old kids where they're just going to listen to you because they're 18. And, you know, they're just – it's kind of the way they're programmed. These are grown men who have their own families, who have their own feelings, you know, thoughts, and it's not as easy. Um, we've seen a couple coaches succeed at it. Uh, Pete Carroll has obviously succeeded coming from college to the NFL, coaching Seattle to Super Bowl and playing in another – um, Chip Kelly had some success uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, limited success with the Eagles, but he had some, but you see a lot of coaches, you know, Nick Saban couldn't, couldn't hack it. Um, Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach of Texas, he couldn't last as an OC in the NFL. So um, it's, it's not an easy job. Um, you know, they had one win last year. So, Urban's going to have to get used to losing, which he hasn't done a lot in his career. They're obviously coaching Ohio state. You don't lose a lot there. Um, so he's going to, he's going to have to adapt here. And I biggest thing for him, I think is hire some coordinators who have NFL experience and that can coach NFL players. I think he can be a good CEO and kind of sell the organization a bit. And, but he's going to have to walk that tightrope of not being a dictator in a college setting and, you know, just be a leader of men here in the, uh, in the NFL. Um, the second job, the Jets job was uh, they gave the head coaching job to Robert Sala. Um, Sala is, uh, he was defensive coordinator the past four seasons for the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously he led them to the Super Bowl um, last year. He's, if you look at him on the sideline, he, his players clearly connect with him. Um, Richard Sherman said after the fact that, you know, he might want to go to the Jets now that Salah's there and they got a great person. Um, you saw Nick Bosa tweet out that he's so proud of Robert and long time coming. And, you know, I, he's, first of all, he's a jacked human being. So I think you know, he'll probably tell the Jets to get in a little better shape because he's, he's ripped. Um, but he's a defensive coach. You know, they just had Gase, who was offensive. It's always interesting to see where teams go with that. But, you know, he should have had a job last offseason. Um, and he's – it's good. Um, I, I like to – I don't mean to preach, but I think it's – in the NFL, it's so blatant how stupid it is. You know, it's good to see a minority get hired. I don't know why it's so hard for these white owners to do it. But for GM jobs, for head coaching, they don't give them out that often. 
and for Salah to get to get a job with the Jets. Um, you know, they have the second pick in the draft. They're coming off a two and fourteen season. They have to decide whether they want to keep Sam Darnold or uh, draft a quarterback. Um, their defense does have some promising players on it, but it's not it's not an easy job for Salah. But they do have a hundred like close to a hundred million in cap space. So you know, it, it's not a it's not a Jets team that you're necessarily going to tank here. Hopefully, you know, he gets a chance to actually coach the team and, and, and have, have some success because we see sometimes these guys are hired and, and they're fired right away and they don't get a chance. Um, Arizona two years ago, they hired Steve Kimes. He coached one season. They fired him abruptly. It didn't make a lot of sense. And they hired Cliff Kingsbury. Um, you know, he was a, fire the black guy for the white young white head coach who had a, a losing record in college when they hired him. So it's just things like that, that just make you kind of put your ears up and say like, why, why is this happening? Why is this like this? But Salah got a five-year deal from the Jets. So that's a good sign that he, he'll be there for the long term. I'm excited for him. Um, I, I, if, he, if him and the enemy can both get head coaching positions, then the off season would be a success for me because they both should have been last off season and they both deserve it still today. So good, good for Robert Sala, Urban Meyer, you know, good for you too. But um, I, I like to see that. Uh, like I said, Arthur Smith was offered the Falcons job, current uh, offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. Um, I'll let you know on the podcast if he accepts that as of right now, there's no uh, indication that he has, but um, he's, um, he's a, Great, uh, clever offensive mind. Clearly, um, clearly he uh, turned around Ryan Tannehill's career after leaving Miami. He's made him look great. You know, he's got uh, AJ Brown playing at a high level. Corey Davis, just the way he uses his tight ends, and obviously Derrick Henry. Um, Atlanta, he'll have to make a bunch of decisions there if he wants Matt Ryan at quarterback. Uh, what he wants to do there, um, Julio Jones, just that team as a general in general. But we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's that's basically all I have for you guys this morning. It's the news and notes around the, the world of sports. Um, um, I'll be back later today talking with Sawyer about The Office. Uh, we're going to have a fun conversation just talking about character development, the arc of the show, uh, just our favorite episodes. We're kind of going to tie three episodes in to our discussion about character development and how they, they pivoted during the show. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a show that we talked about off camera you know, hundreds of times. So it, it'll be fun for you guys to kind of hear our, our thinking and hope you guys can tune into that and enjoy it. But um, I'll be back tomorrow morning as well to talk about tonight's action and, and the NFL uh, divisional round. So like I said, I'll be back later today. Lots of content coming. Sports is back. We're fired up here to the point. Um, just have a great day, everybody, and stay safe.